And there we go. We are back again for another fantastic conversation on Friday Night Counterattack. And this week's a fun week. We've got three special guests on today, uh, dividing opinions. It's going to be great. Uh, but realistically speaking, I have to get this out there so everyone knows. Of all the teams I want to win the Premier League, the one, the one team I want to win the least is Man City and then Liverpool. So people have been saying, oh, if Arsenal win the league, it will be pandemonium. After that win against uh, Spurs on, White, uh, again, on Sunday at White Hart Lane, I do not mind if Arsenal win the league if they're playing like that. The cat's out the bag. The cat's out the bag. <laughs> if Man United win, it's great, but we're not in the title race, in my opinion. Um, but I've got two Arsenal fans on here um, just so I can hear their views and, and learn more from them as well, which is great. So starting off introducing uh, my friend Lewis. Lewis, good to see you again, my friend. Um, big Arsenal fan, as you know. Yeah. Glad to have you back, my friend. How how has it been for you as an Arsenal fan so far? Yeah, just enjoying it. Um, you know, it's just been, um, <clears throat> I think, just uh, above and beyond expectations this season. I think I didn't know what to expect. I just knew I wanted top four. So anything beyond that has been amazing. But to see the team play so well, it's, it's been, yeah, it's been great so far, yeah. <laughs> I love it's, it's it's good times. It's good times to be an Arsenal fan. I'm I'm celebrating like I am one, but I'm just glad that Man City are on top. That's the thing. When you when you know Man City fans like I do, I can't hack it. I can't hack Man City fans celebrating like three three leagues in a row. We can't be having that. Um, my second Arsenal friend today, Sean from Away Games Podcast. It's good to see you again, my friend. How are you doing? I'm all good, thank you. Really happy at the moment, actually, to be top of the league. You know, last season was the season, but to be fair, my expectations of the season was top four. Mm. not to win the league but top four I was like yeah. we have to get top four and I thought we would to be fair after last season and to be fair after speaking to a lot of Man United fans who've kept saying to me oh this is the end for Arsenal Ten Hag's here Conte's at, Ch- at Tottenham this is the end for Arsenal I was like mm, you guys are a bit too excited and so for me it was like yeah no I think this could be a season where we actually do get top four and I thought we were we last season we looked good we just stumbled and so I thought top four was definitely in our in our reach and to be first right now and be nine eight points clear. Yeah, yeah. eight points clear. That's, That's crazy. I'd have bit your hand off if you said to me last season that by the end of this season we'd be eight points behind Man City. I'd have said I'll take that. So to be eight points ahead of Man City, I'm just like, what is going on? And it's good days, it's happy days. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the Premier League. It's the best Premier League season in ages. I mean, yeah. someone who wouldn't agree with that is our resident Spurs fan, Suki. So Suki, once again, good to see you, my friend. Levy out. Is it time for him to go? Are you going to start kicking players again like that fan of yours <laughs> at White Hart Lane? What's happening, Suki, at Spurs? What's happening? Bro, get, get that fan up in the boardroom right now. <laughs> get him up there. Get him up there. Kick that stale bread. Guy, bold-headed, whatever names under the sun. Get him out, man. Honestly, oh, I've, I've had enough of him, yeah. Bad. 23 years, nothing. Nothing's really happened out of it. Yeah, I'm just depressed. Yeah, that's why I'm that's why I'm out in space. I don't want to be on the planet no more. Especially if if Arsenal end up winning the league, yeah, it's gonna be yeah. I'm gonna go into hiding. Gonna get it's going hibernation for another year or so. It needs to be done, man. Stay away. it's not. I don't think it's even gonna be a year because if they improve, it's gonna be another what three four years. I'm gonna have to go to hiding. So probably won't even see me again, Hams. They've been having some really good investments as well, which is crazy to see how they've got some of their new players in this season, especially last season coming to fruition as well. The likes of Ben White, Aaron Ramsdale, like proper starting 11 players for them as well. 
Odegaard has been class and Saka and Martinelli, as we'll get into later on, which would be great. But no, I'm very happy to have everyone on the podcast today. It's great to see you all, um, you all as well. It's going to be great. They're going to be talking about Arsenal. We're going to be talking about how they're going to continue with this title push for the first time since 2004. We're going to be talking about the value in the January transfer market as well, going on about how is there still value for money in January. Mudrick for 100 million after playing less than 50 games. Bit of an overspend in my opinion, but we'll get into that as well. Talk about the best ever January transfer windows with the ones that were value for money as well. And yes, I'm going to mention Nemanja Vidic in that list at the same time. And of course, we are going to be talking about Jurgen Klopp having his worst ever game um, for Liverpool and how they actually can come back from this um, lack of form, I would say. Um, first things first, Suki, you may want to hide your hide yourself for this first bit. We are going to be starting the podcast off with Arsenal. So, Sean, talk yeah. to me. Last time we spoke about Arsenal um, in person, I would say, back in the summer, you were talking to me um, when we were in London, talking about how you think Arteta's got the right plan, has got the right ethos about him. And it's just one or two more signings to get them into the top four. And that's what you were talking about back in July when, you, when we met. But what's, what's made Mikel Arteta go from top four to the top eight points clear? What's happened for Arsenal this season so far? Do you know what? I think last year's blip mattered. So in a way, I feel like losing that game against Spurs, it made them realise that you have to take every single game seriously. And I think Arsenal have, if you watch Arsenal play this season, there's something that they actually do, which I feel like we do it very consistently. We start our first 15 minutes well, then we ease off, like maybe 15, 20 minutes, we ease off, just pass the ball around, let the other team come on us a little bit for maybe about 10, 15 minutes. Then for the last 10 minutes of the game, we just put pressure on again. And they do that in the first half and the second half. And I think that works so well because then you're only giving teams a 20-minute break within that 17 minutes where... 20 minutes to half an hour where they can actually just play their ball or try and get on top of us. And usually in that 20 minutes to half an hour, most teams don't really do that much. And that allows us to therefore be able to put on the most amount of pressure throughout the game and just stay on top of teams. I think tactically, Arteta has had a plan. Um, like you said, I'm glad you brought up that. I've been saying this since last July because obviously I want everyone to know I have never been Arteta out. Um, I mean, to be fair, when we had you and when Lewis came on the podcast for his first time as well, back in November um, 2021, before the other Man United game, you were both talking about how Arteta's got the, the way about him. But I don't, Lewis, I don't remember you were, you were Arteta out, were you? you? You're kind of with his plan. No, I said, um, I said if they decided to sack him, yeah. or if, if people wanted him to leave, I could understand why. Yeah. But uh, I didn't explicitly say it. But I, I definitely was at one point. Like, I would admit that. Like I think there was a period when, that period where we were in the mud and um, just didn't see anything going well for us um, that whole period. It was like, um, surprisingly, the team was still backing him um, for some reason. We can see why now, but at the time, uh, the club and the team was backing him, but the fans were couldn't understand yeah. what was going on in that kind of sea of L's that we were taking like in every... Like every record that was meant to be broken, like bad record to be broken, was like worst start since yeah. who knows, and all of these things like that. The big defeat in the of, FA Cup against Nottingham yeah. Forest in the third round that was a big yeah. one as well. Europa oh, League, mm. um, but uh, the Olymp Olympiacos game. Yeah, um, I mean, there's there's a lot of big moments where I would, I think I was like, you know, this guy needs to go, but. Um, you know, he's gone through it. And I think the FA Cup win was a big thing for him that built that momentum and gained him a lot of good faith with with the board and, and with the with the club and the way he's held the team together and got 
a lot of the deadwood out effectively. Mm. Um, I think, no, I yeah. think for me the main reason why I was never Arteta out is because of the Ozil situation. Because I think we saw two very capable manage managers uh, in Wenger and um, Emery have Ozil and both of them crumbled. And that was mm. the thing for me where I was like, this guy's actually got, he's got it. Like he's not afraid to put himself on the line and you need a manager that's willing to take that risk and be like, for the better of the team, I'm willing to throw whatever it takes out of this out of this building. And even I remember last January, everyone was complaining. He's thinning the squad. The squad is becoming less and less people. And I was like, do you know what? A thinner squad is like, he's now protecting that core. Like he's literally just protecting the players that he believes in, that he sees a future here. And that's what it is. Like, he's not going to... We're not signing players just for the sake of signing players. For example, you take the Chelsea bid is fair enough. They're saying that we had we offered the same amount as Chelsea. But at the end of the day, I think it came down to wages because I, f- I believe Arsenal have a wage structure which is not going to be broken and Mujic was not an exception. And, and I that- can remember back in last January as well, that was the whole Aubameyang situation as well. Yeah. That was well documented, uh, documented in, in the news and then on Amazon Prime as well, where you're looking at Aubameyang now, his career... Isn't wasn't great at Barcelona, not great at all at Chelsea, and potentially even going back to Barcelona as well. So, with whatever wages they were paying him, Arteta was proved right once again by you don't have to be yeah. a good player um, to be in my team. You just need to be a good player that can work in my system, and it's worked really well. Yeah, for, um, to be fair, I mean, coming through and Jesus as a as a replacement. Sorry, Lucy. <clears throat> no, like it's it's. I mean, I'm just thinking about it now. Contrary to what it was like maybe years ago under Wenger. And obviously, we had a lot of issues financially at that period. But if you look at all the outgoings in the past few years, um, when Arteta was here, do we miss anyone? <laughs> like, do we miss any of the signings? You know that we had, and then have since left. Even with, even if we've recruited nothing out of them, mm. as the squad improved since, and the recruitment that we've made, like even the players that we've lost out on, and as still are losing out on. Yeah, um, I think um, one prime example you know, when you I, lost out on Rafinha. Um, you lost that one yeah. Rafinha didn't you and he's barely getting a game and his potentially wanting to leave on loan from Barcelona as well but who do you have at right mid one of the best right mids in the country probably the re- the best right mid in the country Bukayo Saka who's been on fire this season and I think as well like when Arsenal fans think about that right mid position they're always like oh I'll go spend 18 million on player and stuff like that but you've got to think about it as who's going to replace Saka because whoever comes in is not taking Saka's place they're going to play second fiddle for a very long time yeah they're not yeah which is why they're not going to be first choice. No, they're not going to be first choice. And as I say, on the left side, because nobody's coming in to replace Martinelli. And I was even talking to somebody the other day about the whole Nketiah and Gabriel situation. And I was like, even if we signed a striker, they're not going to be a second choice striker. They're third string because there's no, they can't replace Nketiah at the moment because as much as everybody was against him getting the number 14 shirt, I don't think anybody can say a bad thing about Nketiah so far. He hasn't played badly. Even if you compare them to Aubameyang and Lacazette's latter performances, Nketiah's mouths is an improvement on both of them. And they both were players that we looked at as, wow, they're amazing. But in their latter years, especially Aubameyang, if you could say to me, I could take Aubameyang the last six months of Arsenal and take the last six months of Nketiah, the last six months of Nketiah has been a lot more instrumental in what we're trying to do than the last six months of Aubameyang. So when you think about a striker, I'm just like, I can't really, I can't justify us bringing in a striker and be like, okay, Nketiah, you're on the bench now, you're third string because he's playing well. He's he's handled the Gabriel situation, the Jesus situation so well. And once Jesus comes back, I personally think it's a war for first play, first place striker. I don't think it's a case that Gabriel walks straight back into the team. I think they have to, you know, play games. I think Gabriel Jesus is going to play second fiddle for a little while, and then he'll be allowed back into the team. 
But at the moment, that front three, anybody that joins Arsenal is going to be second fiddle. None of them are going to be first string. And I could see that possibly in the reason why Mudrick chose Chelsea as well. Because Chelsea at the moment, even I could walk into that team at the moment. <laughs> I can imagine you left wing as well, outside the boot with your jeans and your Tims on. That's, exactly. how, that's, how, that's how you do it, Sean. That's how you, that's do, how you it. do it, man. That's how you got to do it. Uh, man, I need to show you guys the video of, of Sean playing foot golf in his jeans. It's the funniest thing ever. It's so, so good. Um, but Suki, I need to bring you in now. Um, Spurs fan, went to the game on Sunday. You were powering about most Martin Odegaard before the podcast as well. What was it like facing this Arsenal side compared to the Arsenal side of last season, which also went to the game? What was the big differences for you from an opposition point of view? I mean, again, last year, different scenarios in terms of they were obviously kind of in the top four. They had a clear point lead and I think the pressure was on Arteta to kind of achieve a result from that from that game. Obviously, we were on a decent run of form towards the second half of the season, towards the end, because obviously we had Bentacor and Kulo. They didn't have that many injuries, but then you look at Arsenal, they had Rob Holding playing and we always had Son going against him. But you look at the team now, you've got Ben White playing right back, he's been tidy. You've got a proper clear defensive kind of backline that kind of work well. And then again, I think the major difference from last year to this year was Thomas Party being in the middle of the park. So again, he's the one that's holding the glue and watching him live, as, as, as much as you hate to say it, <laughs> I think he pretty much dictated the game for, for Arsenal all the way through. He's still um, not better than Casemiro. I'm telling you that now. He's not better than Casemiro <laughs> at all. People can say, it's not debatable we'll at all. Find out. We'll find uh, out. On, we'll find yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I knew you were going to say that, man. <laughs> we knew you were going to say that United fans love saying that no, he's not better than Casemiro Casemiro is the best DM in the league we were talking about Casemiro versus Declan Rice back in October and I was like that's so insulting to him as well I mean yeah we will find out on Sunday we definitely will but yeah. um, realistically speaking he's been in a rich vein of form this season Thomas Partey and it's just really helped Granite Xhaka it's helped Odegaard as well um, but realistically speaking Suki who you've kind of seen from an opposition point of view has been like Arsenal's key players um, when you when you were watching them? Yeah, I mean, again, I'd have to go with party. And I think that was a big difference from when we played against them. We, obviously, fair enough, we won 3 you know. But then you look at this game, the, in terms of the way that we play as well, especially kind of playing on that counter-attack, playing that 3-4-3, anytime that we were pushing up, he's always there covering. So it was it, it essentially became 5 and a 5 So you always had kind of positions covered. And the one thing I don't people kind of, I know some people don't really kind of watch football to the degree of like knowing, understanding like formation and tactics. The one thing that they did quite well was working triangles between players. So when you look at it, you always see Gabriel Jesus was doing this during the first half of the season and, and Katie was doing the same. So instead of kind of staying in the kind of fox of the box, they they drop deep, they get integrated with the player on the left, then build their way around. Because they yeah. know majority of the times when you play against the, the bottom half sides of the teams, you're always going to dominate the possession. So it's always kind of good to drop someone low, work some passes in, a couple of one-twos and then get in behind. And I think he's he's got him on a kind of uh, fine-tune now actually kind of looking at their team and I think progressively you look at the season that I mean again they'd be miles ahead to compare to everyone and I think from the record you've only lost one game right this season so yeah I guess yeah Casimir was on the bench that game as smiling, well which, which shows how good McTominay was in that midfield battle uh, which is good fun yeah. as well um, but no um, Sean Lewis, who's been your kind of best players for Arsenal this season compared to last season as well? Because Thomas Partey has been fantastic, and I will admit he's been one of the de- best defence midfielders in the league, um, even in the Europa League from when he's played as well. But Sean, let's start with you. Who's been your kind of key man for Arsenal this season? Uh, do you know it's been hard for me because I, I, there's two people that I want to choose from, and for different reasons. And I'm going to choose Xhaka and Zinchenko. I've think. always loved Xhaka. That's the thing. I've always yeah. loved Xhaka. He's never been that player to 
um, step away from a fight as we saw on on Sunday, which was great. But what's kind of changed for Xhaka this season as well? Is it having Partey next to him, allowing him to be more free as a midfielder? I think Partey's changed him. I think Arteta's changed him. And I also think Zinchenko's changed him. Because mm. what people don't realise when Arsenal play nowadays is whenever the ball moves forward, Zinchenko does come into midfield a lot, which is why you always find our left-back positions always quite exposed. And you would have seen Klitschewski had so much space every single time because Zinchenko literally drops into the midfield, which then allows Xhaka to move forward and play further forward. And that's where he's less likely to get in trouble because he's not making any last-ditch challenges. He's not. He's good on the ball. And I think a lot of managers wanted him to be a warrior. He is a warrior by nature, but I think on the ball... He's so much better on the ball. There was a pass that he made to Enketi, which Enketi should have finished. And that was just like, he's got that in his repertoire. He's got the good passes. He can spray the ball long. He can take a long shot. He's got so much attacking wise that is more useful than him defensively. And for me, that's why for me, I think this year, although Odegaard's playing out of his skin and all these different things, I think Xhaka is the one player that all Arsenal fans have to admit Asked me two seasons ago, I'd have said, even last season, I'd have said to you, sell him at the next opportunity. <laughs> like, I would do whatever I can to get this guy out. And at the moment, you can't replace him again. Like I was saying, that starting 11 at Arsenal at the moment, there's not a single player in there that you would take out. There's not a single player that is letting the team down. Like, it's 11 men on the pitch that are fighting each game. And so, therefore, I think for me, I have to give it to Shaka just because of the turnaround, because he has improved massively. And the Arsenal fans love him. He's even, I even got a song like, his turnaround is huge from literally being booed off the pitch. I'm sure if you said to him when he was booed off the pitch that, wait, the Arsenal fans are going to love you in two seasons, two, three seasons, he'd have laughed in your face and walked out the door. But he's... Arsenal fans would have laughed in your face as well. Yeah. It's crazy. So yeah. the round completely turned around. Because we've always seen attacking Granit Xhaka for Switzerland and we never yeah. really saw it until he became a Mikel Arteta uh, midfielder as well. And once Partey finally got a run of games going on, even towards the end of last season, to be fair as well, that's when you saw a bit more of Granit Xhaka, the, the number eight, not the number six, which was uh, which was fantastic to see. And I'm really happy for Granit Xhaka personally, but he always tends to score at the Emirates against Manchester United. He always tends to score like a, a long-range banger, which always annoys me because it's always David De Gea and goal that fumbles it. And he does it time and time and time again. So not looking forward to the Xhaka Partey midfield um, coming up on Sunday. Lewis, who's been your favourite player to watch or your most improved player to watch um, from Arsenal this season? Besides Jacques and besides think, Thomas Partey? If I, yeah, I was going to say if it was most improved, it would have been Xhaka and I would have said Nketiah as well. Mm. Um, even though he had a good run uh, towards the end of last season, goals against Chelsea. And I think I, I think um, considering where we were in terms of the striking options for him to fill in and then kind of work his game compared to you know this season, compared to last season, his all-round game has been so much better in terms of being most improved. I think Odegaard's just probably been my favourite player. Though. I think um, and you could pick anyone out in the midfield. I think we, I think we have the best midfield in the league right now. Um, if we're just thinking about form, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I, I agree. With the best midfield in in terms of form, you in terms of form, you can't argue. In form, in form. I'm not. If I'm thinking the best midfield in the league, um, if you're you know, talking FIFA, would have said Man City. And, yeah, yeah. But but I think on form, I think we've just been because of how direct our midfield has been recently, especially with Odegaard, the way he's added goals to his game, and then he's he's bringing in the wings, especially on uh, especially on Saka's side. The way he plays with Saka, the way he played with Saka on uh, in the North London derby was big, and Saka has been one of the best players this season as well. And you could pick out so many. I mean, even Ben White, I think, mm-hmm. was really impressive 
purely considering the fact that he's not a right back and he's he's been arguably one of the best in the league so far on form on, on form, form because it should it should really be Trent or Reese James but you know there's um I think the way he's been playing on the right has been immense and just getting better every game not only is he solid but even going forward I don't think he gets enough credit for the way he he handles himself on the pitch so um, I think there's, I think Odegaard is for me though, just, just purely because he, he's just magic. Like when I saw him at the West Ham game, when you see him live, you realize like how, like how easy he makes football look like sometimes, like the way he just passes players, glides through the pitch and, you know, he barely breaks a sweat sometimes and he does, still breaks a sweat getting back. Yeah. He's not like a out and out. Number he's like 10. some, he's like number 10 or number eight. He's just mm. somewhere in between. Sometimes, you know, like in terms of the way he plays, he's not he's not like a classic number 10, but he's just amazing. Yeah, I think he's probably my favourite. We got him for 30 million. That's 30 million. 30 million. I mean, Suki's laughing because Spurs don't have a midfield, so it goes to show how much quality there is compared to Arsenal. And and oh no, Hams, no, listen, we do have a midfield. We just choose to play two in the middle. I hate that. I hated that. You mentioned that too. That was a terrible decision. It was so terrible. I feel feel sorry for Saar as well. Saar's North London derby debut as well. His first Premier League game. He's he's thrown into the deep end, and I feel so sorry for him because he starts honestly. Mm. It happened at Emirates. You saw that was happening. You play three five two. you, You shore it up. And then second half, like, you know, we already are the second half team now. Then you then kind of break the sweat to kind of expand it a bit more. But again, we've got a stubborn old fuck that's a manager at the moment that likes to stick with three at the back. Oh, sorry, not even three at the back, it's five at the back, kind of fossil football that we play. So, yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. I, I must admit, in in Tottenham, the one player I actually think is your best player at the moment, and I think he's very underrated, is Hoiberg. He, he is. Do you know what it is, though, Sean, with Hoiberg? He will give you... He'll give you eight games where he plays. He'll give you seven out of 10 in eight games, but he'll have one game where he plays a three out of 10. And it happens fair too often. Yeah, that's the problem with Hoiberg. He's a quality player. Don't get me wrong. I would have him there. But yeah, he, he always has that one game and he always breaks the cycle. There's always one game that he does where he plays absolutely dog shit. And yeah, I think that yeah. happened on Sunday when <laughs> he, he got over. Even at, even in the North London derby, there was a time when he had a run and I think it was the last minute and he crossed the ball to Harry Kane. He's one player that I was like, if there's somebody that's going to do something, it's Hoiberg. And it just kept annoying me every time he got the ball because I was like, oh, he, this could be the moment he just does a 40-yard screamer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, Son was it, poor. Son was poor. He's though. honestly... That, that, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, of injuries. Because of injuries, he, mm. he's had to play. I mean, if he, if he didn't have any of these injuries, he'd be sitting on the bench at the moment. Like the whole season that he's played, yeah. he can't even yeah. buy a goal now. Right? Like, even that goal against Palace, it was a deflection. So you can't really even count yeah. But so just to know, if there was a player I would buy, it would be Son. It actually would be. I do love Son, yeah. I, mean, I would actually buy I don't Son. like many Spurs players, but Benson yeah. Q is quite quite nice as well, actually. Um, oh, he's back but, now, thank God, yeah. We, we've been screaming out for someone like him again, yeah. You can see the quality difference, but the, the thing yeah. where I'm getting to is that we still have Pochettino players that were there from five, six years ago. And it's like you, you still have those bad apples. It touches on your point that we, you both spoke about. Arteta coming in, getting rid of all the deadwood, getting rid of the, the experienced players that were kind of challenging him in the change room. Mm. And you look at the environment now, they all listen to him. Like he wants that kind of authority at the moment. Obviously, we do probably have that anyway with Conte. But again, you've got Dyer that's stinking up the place. You've got Kane that's got 0.25s of a leg who don't he doesn't like running and likes to drop deep too much. You've got Son out of form. You, you, I've got Sessing on a left wing back. You can't even you can't even shoot. So it's yeah, and then don't even get me started on Chicken Royale on right wing back. So 
just yeah, all sorts, man. And Wimbledon, it's just, it just, just, it is what it is. And, and again, look, we put in a bid. This is how tight we are. We just put in a bid for uh, Poro and try and try to exchange a player which they won't confirm yet, and they've just rejected the offer. So it just shows <laughs> Levy. Levy's a stingy little shit, and we're we're not going to get out of it anytime soon. So. I mean, you're trying, to, you're trying to have four right-backs in the squad, which makes no sense because Jed Spence has not got a game properly. Yeah. Well, free, oh, yeah, free Jed Spence as well, man. Yeah, free him, free him up. Yeah. Free, him. free that guy up. Honestly. That's not he's not game. Game. He's the one that caused us problems. That night on first game, he's, he's got a problem. And, and the thing is, it's like, oh, he's not tactical enough to play. It doesn't matter. He's still young yet. He's got to learn that kind of, that skill set. If you don't play him in games in the Prem, how's he going to gain experience, right? But I think Conte's doing this on purpose to the board to show that this is not a player that I wanted. You need to buy me the players that I need, but again, Ams, it's it's only going to end in one way, isn't it? And it's it's going to end up with him leaving. And the, the, there's a good point actually. Someone raised the guy's getting paid a million a season, a, a million a month actually. Mm. If you think about it, of all managers there, he's getting paid a million a month. He's not gonna he's not gonna want to leave until the end of the season. He's got he's half cool. page to come in. He's got half so, of the Premier League to go as well. You're 19 games in. You're fifth in the table. You're only five points off top four as well. Um, yeah. there's still chance for top four as well but it's just the fact that obviously with this board that you've complained about and Spurs fans have complained about for a while is if you don't get manager signings and you just get squad signings or t-shirt sale signings it's not going to work yeah. for Spurs as well and it's just really bad that there's a bad mixture of bad negativity bad negativity bad negativity from Conte in the press then what you see on the pitch as well it resonates with the players as well and then obviously with the fans and on the board as well um, yeah. it's just it's just rotten at the moment <clears throat> personally I think it's great I think it's fantastic yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I love you, it yeah, I, I, I warned you earlier in the season I said we're going to be good this season I said I, 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 I told you we were still players short from going into the season that's the thing it, I, it's I like some of your players just don't turn up in these games and it's it's worrying to see that you've been there for like Ben Davies for example Eric Dyer for example they've been there since Poch days and they just don't know what it is to be a big game player anymore it's embarrassing yeah, fair, I, I, I have to kind of fight Ben Davies' corner to be fair Every, I've always said this even before he's not a left back he's mm. not a centre back but he's a left centre back right he could play in that three at the back right and he's been okay to be fair There's only and you some had Longley the other day didn't you as well yeah, even like no, Longley you're taking it don't get me wrong this guy's got amazing passing by the way but when it comes to physicality nowhere near it mm. honestly when we played against Marseille away he was absolutely getting terrorised yeah so yeah oh, don't get me started on those kind of players man yeah what do you think? You reckon you're going to get top four? I. It depends on who we sign. If we don't sign anyone in Jan, you might as well cut cut it off, cut your losses. We're done. Throw 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 the key in the bin. Conte off. Get Levy out. And again, I'm getting pissed off again now because we're linked with Thomas Tuchel, and I don't want three at the back again. I don't want to keep playing this formation. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? These I Chelsea managers, great. man, they just love seconds at Tottenham. I, I said, they to, love I said to my mate, he's an, he's a Chelsea fan. I go, you might you might as well get Potter ready for us for 2025. <laughs> the, way, the way that we're yeah. going, at, it's like we're just taking all the Chelsea regen managers yeah. constantly what? over and over again. Would you take Potch back? Nah, I would have definitely would not touch that. You know what? That would have been a good signing for you guys, Potter. Yeah, yeah, Potter. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, the, I was thinking that. Potter, that would have been a good project for you guys because he Today, doesn't we, expensive players. Sure, we were supposed to have him before Nuno, yeah. but then he rejected us, but I did. He wanted to stay at Brighton and then we ended up with Nuno and then Nuno, you can see what happened there. And then then Conte came in because Petrici was the one that kind of drove that one to say Conte coming in. But it, it just, you look at it, it doesn't make sense, man. You brought in a, a world-class manager that wins trophies, but you need to give him ready-made players. If you don't if you don't give him what he wants, you, you ain't going to get nothing, right? So, And you've got a board that's so stubborn and tight that they don't want to sign players. And I think this is where they're kind of it's a bit of a, a loggerhead at the moment where Levy's like, I'm not going to spend because I don't know if you're going to stay here. 
And then the same for Conte. It's like, well, you need to give me the players, otherwise I'm going to jet. So yeah, just stuck. it's just a, yeah, it's a weird position. But again, as fans, it's frustrating to see him where we are really annoyed because we know we've got a good manager. Just give him the players that he needs and he will stay. But yeah, just absolutely mudded. Yeah. <laughs> good times, good times seeing Spurs Spurs going down the table as well. We don't need them in the Champions League. They're not good enough, in my opinion, as well. I actually, actually think it's going to be Newcastle, to be honest. Park. Newcastle could get top four, which is crazy. They're slowly going about their business, which is brilliant to see as well. Um, someone, someone who's slowly getting going about their business is Eric Ten Hag and Manchester United as well. After uh, an amazing run of games so far, we're playing Crystal Palace tonight. So at the time of recording, it's before the game started, so we don't know what's happened um, as well. Realistically speaking, though, there are talks of Manchester United being title challengers. Like I mentioned, we are halfway into the season. Realistically speaking. I know Lewis is shaking his head for people listening. He, 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 this guy is so shameless. This guy is so shameless, man. He knows what oh I'm going to do. That's the funniest thing. I knew you were going to say title challenge, man. He, he knows what I'm going to say, which is the funniest thing. I don't think we're going to be title challengers. That's the thing. He, he, Lewis knows what I'm going to say. I don't think we're going to be title challengers. We're going to do well until probably March or April because remember the season ends at the end of May, um, unlike the earliest bit of May, which it tends to be the case as well. Realistically speaking, though, we are a few players short of a title charge. We could get maybe a trophy, maybe a Carabao Cup. We are obviously favourites for that. Um, but I personally think Eric Ten Hag has worked wonders with this Manchester United side. He's taken this team to new levels and new new ways going forward. It's fantastic to really see how we are even in this conversation in January in, in the Premier League season that Man United could be in a top four race, let alone in a title race as well. But good. I'm just in awe of Eric Ten Hag. Yeah, I, I'm gassed about Eric Ten Hag. That's the thing, though, because it's been ten, it's been ten years since we've had a proper manager. Go ahead, Sean. Do you think Man City are in a title race? Man City are definitely in the title race. So you're in a title race because you're one point behind them. <laughs> there's there's no other way to say that you're in a title race. The thing is, we will see it around March, April time. We will see it because it sees as if we stay there. Newcastle have been more in the top four than Man United have um, all season, and that's the truth. They've, been, they've spent more time in the top four than Man United have. Um, if you win against Crystal Palace, and I think if you beat Arsenal on the weekend as well, that's when I will officially say we are in the title race. So we're going to have to wait and see to see what happens with that. But realistically speaking, though, from watching Eric Tanag's team play with this Manchester United side, I've I've never seen a team that's just taken so many games tactically and with effort, with the maximum effort that we've seen in these big games consistently oh, since Sir Alex Ferguson. Jose Mourinho couldn't do it. Ragnick, Moyes, Solskjaer, they couldn't do it against these big teams time and time and time again in the season. And this Arsenal game is really the test of character that Eriksen Hyde definitely needs because we have been poor at the Emirates in recent years as well. We have drawn a lot. We've lost a lot as well. It's been poor from us going to North London, uh, the red side of North London, Suki, sorry. Um, but yeah, realistically speaking though, what do you guys think about Eriksen Hag from an objective point of view from, from your side as well? Lewis, we'll start with you. Do you think I'm getting too gassed about title challenges so far? No, no, no. I, I can, I can see why United fans think that way. And you are, you are one point. I actually thought you had a game in hand, but no, you, you. Are it's actually, tonight. Our game in hand is tonight. One point. Oh, I see. I see. Against yes. Crystal Palace. Um, no, I think, I think Ten Hag's been doing great. To be honest, um, I think the signings that you made in the summer, um, Martinez, um, Casemiro, of course, even Eriksson, um, has been great as well. Like the way he's come through in the squad. I think the midfield's just Chip Fred's improving even the existing seeing the you know when he's a good manager when the existing players there have have started improving as well on the pitch and the way they've conducted themselves. There's no leaks 
coming out of the dressing room I've like they used so to be. Well. I've said that so um, much. I've been having no leaks from Dean Henderson and Jesse Lingard in that in that thing. Yes, random. I, I knew who it was yeah. as well. People they leaked that it was Jesse Lingard and Dean Henderson. I'm like, nah, you're not in our squad anymore. Go away. And I love it. It's fantastic. The Ronaldo situation as well. The way he's handled that. Um, I think I need, he's come I need across. To call, I need to call out Rio Ferdinand on that. Sorry to interrupt. Rio Ferdinand oh, was yeah. going on about how. <laughs> did you guys see this as well? He I said, knew oh, it. I love I, I love Ericsson Hard. Yeah, the podcast. Yeah, on the podcast, he's like, oh, I love Ericsson Hug. He's great. He's reset the culture. Um, I love what he's done by getting rid of some of the dead wood. And two months before when Ronaldo's in the squad, oh, Ericsson Hug should manage Ronaldo differently. He's a big game player. He'll win you games. He'll win you trophies. It's just... It's, oh. <laughs> these United pundits, man. I don't know what it is. I, I hate these United pundits. I, don't know what, I actually... Gary Neville, yeah. Just want to side note. Gary Neville just won't admit that Arsenal are out here... Oh, I know, I didn't want to segue back to that, but I was just no, thinking he, about that. What's the word? Oh, I forgot about the word. The way that he did it, he slightly dropped it in, the way he's talked about Arsenal. Subliminally. So he said, he goes, <laughs> yeah, Arsenal won't win the league, but Leicester did it. So it's kind of like, yeah, you, you yeah, still yeah. don't want them to, but you, you just admit that they're, they're, like, they're I, I want yeah. them to. I want them to do it. That's like, like, you know, you, you don't want them to. You're not advised, man. Honestly, yeah, the Rio Ferdinand. But I think Ten Hag's, uh, Ten Hag's been great. And right, I think... You know, there's not many likable players from an Arsenal fan's perspective at United, but Rashford, seeing Rashford doing well is 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 yeah. great to see. I think that's yeah. probably the best thing that I've, you know, seeing him score against City, even though um, the way he, he's helped out on the first goal was questionable. The second goal and just seeing him score that and the way he's responded, like his celebration, I mean, it was just great to see, uh, you know, his kind of comeback um, is, is probably the best thing about United uh, at the moment. Yeah, the Xhaka comeback. We've had the Rashford comeback. Suki, there's no Spurs comeback this season. What's happening, man? Oh, Need nah, a play nah, to come nah, back. Nah. <laughs> the only comeback that we're getting is going on the pitch after 45 minutes after the first half. Do you know what I mean? When kickoff happens, so it's like you're yeah. quick simming games basically in in career mode. You're quick simming the first half. Oh my god, Hams! Yeah, you just yeah. I'm gonna use that for next time. Quick use it in the first half. Yeah, use that oh as your god. Instagram caption, which is good. It's gonna be good fun. Um, but Sean, are we gonna see this celebration at the Emirates on Sunday? What are you thinking about Marcus? Yeah, I, this I think I think you will. I think you will because I think Man United are very strong. I think for us as well, this is our biggest test. I think. Although everyone thinks it's Man City, I think we actually will do fairly well against Man City. I think, and you've got them in the FA Cup as well. Yeah, I think we're going to lose the FA Cup. But I think we will win the league, and I think that's going to be semi on purpose. But um, I get that by the way, Sean just said they're going to win the league. Just you think we'll win the league? I think we will win the league. Yeah, it depends. I, I, you know what it is? I think it depends on again. You haven't signed anyone, and I think if you do go deep into Europa League and the FA Cup, which I doubt you will, because I think he'll suck it off. Mm. I think that would kill you off. But I think Arteta is too smart enough to to try and run it too deep with the Europa League. Because again, were, you, there, the squad's not as big as you want it to be in, in terms of depth, right? Because when you look at the bench, yeah. my brother-in-law says the same thing, my dad says the same thing, that there's not enough players that you want to take off the bench. You think, you know what, they can change the game. Yeah. It's probably probably Fabio Vieira at a touch to kind of replace yeah. Odegaard. But again, yeah, so again, like it's one of those things where it, and they say the same thing. It's like a question of depth, right? And I think having Mudrick and not having the, the second, like just in case a second emergency target, has kind of kind of ruined the plans a bit, but then I think Arteta probably doesn't really care about that too much. He's mm. happy with what he's got, but I think if you go too deep, it probably might. Yeah, uh, doubt and, yeah. and this is why I think we're going to get rid of the FA Cup because I think that makes sense for us to come out of the FA Cup. Let Man City have their beating of us, lose that game yeah. 6 Let Man City have their pride. It is what it is because I think Arteta's focus is two cups, and I think it's the Europa League and the Premier League. He wants one of them, and I think yeah. he'll push as far as he can get in both of them. And yeah. 
I think if, if you said to me at the end of the season, we're in the um, Premier League, we've won the Premier League and we're in the Europa League final, I'm happy with that. I'm excited over that, over the moon. But it's really, it's, to Man United mm. is, um, I think Ten Hag's done a great job. I really do like what he's done over there. I thought he was going to be a success, to be fair. I think, to be fair, I think Oli would have been a success as well if you guys never signed Ronaldo. I think that was the biggest. He down- changed his whole style of play after two years for one man. Which, was yeah. a, which wasn't fair and on him. Which wasn't fair on him at all. And I think that was the biggest letdown. I think for some reason, when you were with Oli, you guys were on the right trajectory. You signed Ronaldo, went downhill, then you signed Ragnick and put yourself further downhill. I don't know what you wow. were thinking during that seed that time. The but thing it, is, Ragnick was always going to be temporary. And I will always back Ralph Ragnick for a couple of things. For outing the players in public, which he did, and he said, all of these mm. guys are leaks, they're all snakes, they're this, they're that. They don't turn up properly for training. And then he also said this squad needs another 11, 12 new players to actually replenish the squad and the owners don't go into their pockets enough. And he said that publicly and he then got sacked after six months because instead of staying as a technical director, the board didn't want him because he's, he put so much bad press onto Manchester United. So even though he wasn't a great coach, he, yeah. he did the right thing by kind of just falling on his sword and being like, you know what, this job may be too big for me. But yeah. realistically speaking, the next manager has to know this is what's happening um, yeah. in Manchester United. And I also think, if I'm honest with you, and I think... It, I saw it with Arteta because obviously both Pep, I mean, both Arteta and Ten Hag are, are Pep's like disciples. Mm. And I saw it with Arteta with Aubameyang and I saw it with Ten Hag with Ronaldo. Mm. Ronaldo that yeah. They will allow them to destroy themselves. And you noticed that there was a game you guys were losing. I can't remember who it was. And he came out and he was like, oh, I can't let Ronaldo come into a game like that. Just Man to City. rub his ego. Yeah. 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 Just Man to rub City. his ego and make him feel Six like... 6-3 we like, lost like, that game. Yeah, just to just to do that to him. And then when that whole, I think when that whole interview came out, as much as everyone may think, oh, United were like, oh, what's this? What's this? I think Ten Hag and Secret were just like, yes, now I can get rid of him. Now I have every excuse to get rid of him. Like, do you get what I mean? I think he wanted him out. And Yeah, he, it was the worst time impossible. It was after we beat Fulham, the last game before the World Cup. So he was off to Portugal. He yeah. knew he'd cleared out his locker at, at Carrington as well. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's cool. We won't see him What anymore. was on his mind? I'm still wondering what on his mind man like, yeah, right? yeah. But, uh, personally personally I've heard some conspiracy theories that he actually wanted to convert to Islam so he actually wanted to move to Saudi Arabia um, and actually play uh, for a Saudi Arabian team that's what he wanted well Hams it was 170 million per year yeah, exactly that's that's what money does to you it changes your mind on religion and everything so it's crazy <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's absolutely crazy how he's done that but no you're definitely right Sean with that. Um, I, think the whole, he, I think he played that really well um, in just allowing Ronaldo to destroy himself so that it, the, the fans don't turn it because I think he knows how big United Ronaldo was to United fans mm. and he couldn't come in and destroy it so he, he could have been the villain straight away yeah, yeah to let him destroy himself let him destroy himself and that's what Arteta did with Aubameyang too is that although Arsenal fans are like oh why is he letting him go it was like well none of us actually know what's gone on so what and there was like the whole disciplinary issue with Aubameyang as well which obviously he made public with keeping it secret and allowed Aubameyang to kind of be put in this place of like Oh, the bad boy Abamyang is back, and then Abamyang just fell into the trap and eventually had to leave, just able what, to get the contract. What justifies it as well is the results after that. I mean, the yeah. team's just so much better. The yeah. you know the way the the it's the same with Arsenal. The way we you know the team's response responded since um, Abamyang's left. You know, no one's no one misses them. You know. No. Um, uh, in contrast to Urza, when he left, I think you know our form was still bad. People were still yeah. mentioning Urza like. You know, it's all about the results at the end of the day. Like, and Ten Hogs, the way the way the teams were playing is extremely solid. Like, it's a really solid team at the moment. So, yeah. and um, hopefully, I, that doesn't continue. 
I'm looking forward to it because as well, we finally have a Man United and an Arsenal that we both all know are going to go out there and attack. There's no sitting back. There's no defending. It's just going to... Well, there's going to be defending, but it's going to be literally an end to There's end. no temporary managers involved. Yeah. There's no random loan players that we don't no, um, know is going to stay for or go. Be, I think it's going to be one of... Because obviously we keep hearing about the Man City and Liverpool being the best games of the season the past four or five seasons. I mm. think it's going to be one of the best games of the season between us. Changing of the guard, yeah? Yeah, I think it is. Cause I, back I, to the old ways. That's what I like to hear. Bring it back. Yeah. I said Run it, it back. back. Arsenal, Man United, derbies. We need it. We need title derbies. I said it to you one time um, recently, Hamza, is that I think for me personally, Arsenal, United, Man City, Liverpool and Newcastle are going to be the next big five teams. I think Chelsea and Tottenham are going to fall away. Sorry to say, it's okay. Chelsea? I think Chelsea going to fall away. Let's, let's nah. let Chelsea fall away. I need, I need to see Chelsea fall away. The amount of money he's splurging out, I don't think they'll go, they ain't going nowhere yet. You can't, you can't sign every single Arsenal target because otherwise Arsenal is just going to be putting out random names into the newspaper. I mean, you need to be targeting <laughs> Phil Jones so then Chelsea then buy Phil Jones. Exactly. Oh, just, yeah, pretend, yeah. just pretend fake rumours Phil Jones and then uh, Bowley will buy Phil Jones. It's going to happen. It is like he's scrolling through Twitter and he's just he like... Was oh, on tw- he was on Twitter yeah. the other day. He was on a Twitter space. He was like looking... For yeah, he was. Yeah. Crazy to But they started that. mentioning Declan Rice and he left the space. Yeah. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, now nah, another 100 million got to go. No, nah, I can't go yeah, with Declan nah. Rice. I think, I think Chelsea... Totally I think when you... I, I, remember, I saw something about... I was thinking about it the other day and I saw something as well that was talking about how... When you look at how much they're spending on these players, the contracts that they're giving these players, yeah, crazy. are they actually going to, you're giving yourself eight and a half years of Modric for him to be a player. If he doesn't become that player, Chelsea are at a loss. It's not the kind of thing that in three seasons they could just quite cut their losses and let go of him. They've got eight and a half years of him. So They haven't he, learned from the Lukaku deal. No, they haven't. And I don't think Bowley, I think, I saw, I also heard something that says in the contract between him and Abramovich there was a, a saying that he has to spend a billion on the club so he's trying to blow it quickly or whatever but whatever it is I don't think Chelsea are doing good business at the moment I don't think they've got the best managers at the moment um, or to be proven wrong can really be proven wrong but from what I've seen from Newcastle Arsenal, United, City and Liverpool and Liverpool will be back um, those five teams I don't see you don't think so? Nah, I think Liverpool have done and dusted. Klopp's, Klopp's era, after seven years, it's done. And you look at it, the past three years, he's not replaced the midfield. That's dying out. He's not replaced Wijnaldum. There's yeah. no energy in that midfield. Well, that's anymore. the thing. True. I think that's, that's where the they'll fall away. Yeah, yeah. And I think when you look at Gakpo, especially with Mane, and he's even admitted to it just recently. He, he regrets letting him go because he's the one that initiates the press. He's got the speed to go behind the line. And you look at Gakpo, those are not Mane-type players that are going to mm. break the speed but, bank just to get past people, yeah. But Diaz has been good. You got Diaz. Diaz is yeah. still injured, though, you got, which is the worst thing. You got to think a year from now, etc. Then Van Dijk and there's going to be other players that are going to start hitting a certain mo- Salah. Eventually, are going to start hitting an age where they're going to their peak is going to be, you know, yeah. depending on what Robertson's kind of been are, very poor this season for me as well. Andy so, Robertson is poor against Brentford. He was poor against Man United. He's been very poor this season. Andy sure, I'd, I'd swap your list and put Chelsea instead of Liverpool. That's mm. the only change I've put there. No, and it's happened to Liverpool before, but with Chelsea, yeah. I think they haven't won the league in a, in a minute. But you know, they've had yo-yo seasons where they've finished poorly, and all it takes is maybe change with the manual, Joe, couple players just come in, inject, and use. Next thing you know, because the players are good, there are good players there, but it's just a mix of you know. But oh, who knows? Maybe this Arsenal style model is is well, back I, I, in this, quite, quite, Maybe they go for young managers yeah. and get rid of. I want to answer that. That one happens about, you know, with Arteta, as much as I can't stand Arsenal, right, and Arteta anyway, the good thing about it is that you've, you're seeing a project from the 
from get-go. It's the same with Poch. You're starting with a project at get-go and you're giving them the time to build a team, right? Mm-hmm. You're looking at it, you're giving him two, three players per window, what he needs. Don't get me wrong, you, you, you're you going to have to spend money either way because top players that you want are going to cost 50 mil. So yeah. it inflates the figures, right? So that's mm-hmm. perfectly fine. But you're seeing someone there, you're giving him three years, you're giving him the two players that he needs. Fair enough, top four last year, that happens. It's just bad luck, right? But then you look at him this season, it's kind of alleviated the pressure away from them from the press as well and on himself. So he's had to focus on having a young squad again. But then the thing is, it, it comes into the, the 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 kind of the new season, next season. You're going to have City and Newcastle break in the bank again. So again, it will happen like with us. Maybe like new teams. owners for Man United as well. We're looking to sell before April time. So that could be a, a funny present for me, seeing new owners at Man United. Glazers, yeah, glazers out forever. Yeah. Glazers out. We hate them. <laughs> we do not like them at all. Um, Lewis, I know you have to leave in a bit. So I'm just going to ask you one more question um, from yourself. Score prediction for Sunday, Arsenal versus Man United. Oh. Uh, I'm saying 3-1 Arsenal. That, That's all I'm saying. I was gonna. I was thinking 3-1 Arsenal, you know, because it's at home. Mm. Um, but I, I don't see us having a clean sheet, though. Definitely not. But I think we'll win. i got to yeah. think that. Yeah. I believe yeah. it. Come on. Hashtag believe it's got to happen. Now, I genuinely think Arsenal will win. I think it's, they're just in the best form I've ever seen them under Arteta as well. It's been great to see how well they've done. Um, under Mikel Arteta as well, which is crazy to see. Um, but realistically speaking, though, there's one play you do have to watch out for from Man United, Luke Shaw. How have we not <laughs> spoken about? Yeah. How have we not spoken about centre back? Luke Shaw at centre back handling Haaland. I need to go through his stats. So literally, Haaland versus Luke Shaw. No shots on target. No key passes. No goals. He lost his ground duel against Luke Shaw. He had one shot blocked as well. And he just had nothing against Luke Shaw the whole game. Erling Haaland, the player that, well, everyone's been braving about this whole season, couldn't get a foot past Luke Shaw. And I'm thinking, Eddie and Ketter, Gabriel Jesus, whoever we've got on Sunday to face, they will be a different test of character um, to Luke Shaw than his ever face, which is crazy. You played the second best Norwegian in the league. So I mean, you're going to... Casemiro yeah. versus Odegaard will be a great battle. It will be a great battle, um, which is crazy to see. So I'm looking forward to seeing how well um, they will do as well. Um, no, it'll be a great game. It'll be a good game. Game, yeah. It'll be a good game. It's going to be good fun. But no, Lewis, I know you have to leave in a bit. So um, I just want to say thanks for your time. It's been great seeing you again, my friend. No, Enjoy Sunday, but not too much. Hopefully we win and you'll see me posting random Man United pictures on the internet. Uh, I'm blocking oh, you. Not all these United fans on IG stories yet. Honestly, honestly. Just, yeah. just, just mute, just mute Fire Night You don't have to see us for that day. It's all good. You'll see me the next day, um, which is good fun as well. Thank you. Arsenal, man. Ah, oh, they're in good form at the moment, Sean. I just really need to know from you as well, from the both of you. We talked about Chelsea. Let's speak about Liverpool as well. Realistically speaking, where's it gone wrong for Liverpool first of all, and then where's it gone wrong for Chelsea? So, Sean, we'll go with you first as well. Where's it gone wrong for Jurgen Klopp? Because for me personally. When I've seen it, I, he still hasn't replaced Wijnaldum. They're playing more technical football than energetic rock and roll football, which is what won them le- the league in the first place. Realistically speaking, Suki, we spoke about how Bellingham was going to be the man to go to Liverpool potentially a couple of weeks ago as well. He still could in the summer, but they need a couple, like three, four midfielders, I would say, to actually replenish this quality that they've lacked with Wijnaldum leaving, Mane leaving, Firmino kind of passes best now as well. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. I think um, there's a lot of... I, I, to be fair, Suki mentioned it, I didn't even notice the midfield has not been replaced in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where they need to start. I think they need to start from that midfield. I think um, Van Dyke. I think that... 
the Van Dyke that we all watched, the one that was not dribbled against, the one that had all these stats, I think nobody fears him anymore. I think you can see Leandro Trossard going up against him and really going for it, like not even being afraid of him at all. Like he had to be subbed off against Brighton this week because they just he just wasn't doing what he was doing. So I think they need to start looking at a replacement for him this summer. I think they need to look for a replacement in the midfield. I think, I also think as well, and I say it to everybody, I think it's a mental thing. Imagine going five seasons finishing with 94, 95 huge points and only winning the league once. It gets disheartening. And I think this is the season where you can see that now they're just kind of there, just like, but what's the point in trying? Like, we're not really, we haven't been strong. Yeah, we haven't really done anything in the last four years. And I remember I said it last season, I think we had a podcast about it. And I was like, there needs to be an inquiry into Klopp if there's not enough title this season, because then this is five seasons that Liverpool have only won three titles. One Carabao Cup, one Champions League and one Premier League. with one And of the, one FA Cup as well. One FA Cup, arguably the best Liverpool team we've seen in years. Mm. There's definitely an issue there. And I think for a lot of players, they wanted the big cups and they just weren't getting them enough because Man City were just that dominant. Real Madrid were just that dominant. Uh, it wasn't so easy for them to pick up those cups as they thought it would be. And I think as well, you're seeing a ten, turn in the Premier League where I think in past years, teams used to go to Liverpool and be like, oh no, we don't want to attack here. But now it's like, meh, if we lose, we lose. If we don't, we don't. And teams, are, like I said, Brighton's going for it. Newcastle's going for it. Um, even your Leeds United, United, Jesse Marsh, last-minute winner. They're no, going not Jesse Marsh. Jesse Marsh orchestrated a last-minute winner for Leeds, yeah. which was great. I remember that game. Some of us, I think it was that scored the winner. There's so many teams that are just going for it now. And it's and I think Liverpool are just not used to that at the moment. This Liverpool mm-hmm. side is not used to it. They're used to teams just standing off and being allowed to play, and they're not anymore. Um they're just not allowed to play anymore. And I think that is... Because I, I remember even watching against the Arsenal, after the Arsenal game, they all were just... The, Van Dijk came out and was just like, we weren't expecting that. Mm. Because I think the expectation was, oh, Arsenal, we played Arsenal. Yeah, fair enough. This Arsenal's new and improved, but it's going to sit back against us. And it was like, wait, hang on a minute. They're scoring and they're actually attacking. And so, yeah, I think a lot's happening over at Liverpool and there's going to be a lot of change over the next season or two. For me personally, Jurgen Klopp is the best thing that's ever happened to Liverpool in the Premier League era. I think it's absolutely amazing what it's done to rejuvenise that mid-table Liverpool side, Europa League Liverpool side, to the team that they are now, to being worth probably three, four billion pounds, being looked at by new um, investors as well. He has been let down by this model, this FSG model of not being able to sign players. Me personally, if he had an odour like Todd Bowley buying whatever play he wants for the club, he would still be in that top four in that title race as well because he has new mentality, he has new blood coming in as well but it's not the case. It really isn't the case. And I thought I'm really happy to see Liverpool fail and, and mess up week by week. It's great to see um, as well. But I can't blame it on Jurgen Klopp one bit because Jurgen Klopp has done everything and more to get this Liverpool side to where they are, to be in a formidable, uh, a formidable force in Europe and across the world as well, which has been crazy. But Suki, what's kind of been your kind of thought process for Liverpool kind of slacking um, this season? I think it goes back to what you just said there. They went from being high press, Jurgen press, energetic football and I think that we all kind of knew when Mane was going to leave that they were going to struggle mm. and I think they already had a ready-made replacement in Watford Ismail Lassar he was ready there and ready to go and he's proven it in the Premier League he's the one guy that will generate the press to go forward right and I think when you look at Salah he's not used to having players behind a fullback right usually you get, I'm sorry, in front of the fullback they need to be behind him mm. and I think there you, you're seeing the disparity between and when we watched Nunes at, uh, when we when we lost to them 2-1 at, at Tottenham you watch Darwin Nunes and he's always filtering on like a, a left inverted kind of winger role instead of playing through the middle yep. so again but the thing is when you look at Liverpool now I think where they kind of made a mistake and I do 
kind of blame Klopp for this as well. His focus, again, the past three years was just signing attackers rather than focusing on actual midfielders that were going to press, that were actually going to dominate on the ball. And you look at it, they're all injury prone as well. Again, his, his, his type of football is demanding, right? So their fitness during the season, they, they're going to take a beat. And I think when you look at Jordan Henderson, he, I think he's gone way past it for the past two, three years. Yeah, I've never rated him. I agree. And I think when you when you hear the stories of him actually just playing with injections pretty much every game because he, he's, his feet are that bad. He did that with he's England kind of as like, well. Which yeah, yeah. His ankle's totally busted. So you, you kind of think about those things. And you look at Thiago now, who's ageing, he's going to be 32, 31. And he kind of slows down the game, which they're not used to. They're used to kind of having that ball with Ranyard and whacking it past to, to, to a winger and then dominating games. And I think that's where the the kind of the transition of their team is changing. And I think with Klopp, same thing that happened at Dortmund where the transition started happening after that seventh year. It started slowing down. They digressed. They didn't get the right players of what he needed to this kind of style of football he plays. And I think you're seeing this again now with Liverpool, which again, I'm happy because I can't stand scarces. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> Preach. I've got happy yeah, with it. Yeah. So um, I think if nothing happens in the summer, again, like we always talk about the owners kind of being tight and not giving him money. But then again, you have to kind of put some blame on. You've had how many transfer windows in the past couple of years and you've not signed a midfielder to replace Henderson, uh, to replace Milner, to replace Wanyalda. You've got Fabinho, who's injury prone, pretty much only plays a half a season now. So you, you're stuck with kind of, not deadwood players, but you're just stuck with players that are just not really 100%. They're always at 70 or say 60%. And I think we're going to see the issue where Liverpool will drop off from that kind of Again, that kind of top six, or if you want to say top seven now with Newcastle. Mm. Uh, and I think that's where Chelsea might come into kind of pushing in because they'll still sign players regardless. They'll always keep signing players. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I don't know what it is with Chelsea, but I just don't see it at the moment because I think there's a lot of mistakes in their signings. Do you know what it is? I feel like their signings at the moment don't look planned. Is There's no structure behind what they're doing. It doesn't seem like they're building a team. It seems like they're doing what Man United and Arsenal used to do. Is There was a time where literally, I think, to be fair, I think there was a time where Arsenal and Man United used to just sign whoever was the big name. For example, a Pogba. It was just to appease the fans, make the fans happy. We're going through yeah. turmoil. Let's get Pogba because the fans want Pogba. And let's just do that. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing with Chelsea at the moment. And and especially Jean Felix and Mudrick, especially they're, they're definitely mm-hmm. players that you see a lot on social media as well. Oh, yeah. we've got to go for them, but they may not be the right fit for the manager. They may not be the right um, fit for the manager. The and team, the way that you, they play, style of play, everything. Yeah, I just feel like Chelsea are just at the moment just chucking money at the situation, just being like. And the thing is, I would understand. I would probably have eased off Chelsea in this position if it was like, okay, let's go get a centre back, and it was like somebody you've. You're like, okay, who's that? Good to see who he will be. Let's go see, get a midfielder. Okay, cool. Is they're building something? Do you get what I mean? I think yeah. their best signing is their centre back. They got Badashili, um, their left foot centre back, because he's been pretty good for Monaco recently as well, um, on the verge of the French squad. But realistically, when you're looking at Fofana, when you're looking at Jao Felix, Mudrik, you, and the way that they play their four-three-three system, you can only get three attackers in, and you're not going to play Mudrik, Jao Felix, Havertz, Mount, Ziyech. Pulisic, all of these players can't fit in, like nine players can't fit into three. So unless no. Toboli wants amazing squad players for the rest of the season, that's what they're going to go over about it. But he's not going to have happy, uh, nine happy players for the rest of the, rest of the season. Because no. Potter will feel the pressure to rotate them to make everyone happy. Then it will just affect the whole team. Hakim yeah. Ziyech has had an amazing World Cup. And uh, Sukina, we were talking about it all throughout the November, December period, which is great. And he's finally getting a good run of games and is looking back to his normal self, which is great. But with these new signings coming in, he may not even get any more game time, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah no, I just, I just don't see a plan behind it. They have 
like you said, they're top heavy at the moment. Way too mm-hmm. many attackers. They've got a lot of attackers. And let's say, for example, they don't get rid of a Bamiyang. Barcelona pull out that situation and decide to chase somebody else. Is they're not stuck with a Bamiyang. They're stuck with Sterling. They've got Havertz. They've still got Lukaku. Everyone keeps forgetting that Lukaku's still a Chelsea player. <laughs> I can't wait for next season. Let's they've see what he's up to next season. And there's for no. Sure. Yo. Just on your point, though, the reason why I'm saying this is. The, the, the example that I'm using is when we played Chelsea last year, Jan, and we, we got battered three games. We had two games of the League Cup, right, semi-final. And yeah. we had one game of the Prem and we lost all three. We didn't even score a single goal. The reason why I say Chelsea always do well, regardless of the manager, you've got quality players that cost 50 mil. Mm. So the players are never going to be an issue from my, from my point. And you see, you've seen yeah. that with Chelsea over the past couple of decades, right? With Mourinho, with... Phyllis Boas with kind of Di Matteo, even with that Champions League run, you still had players there that are worth the quality, right? And I think mm-hmm. it's just having that. Potter, I reckon Potter will get sacked, to be fair. Mm-hmm. I reckon he will go. And I think the next manager that'll come in will kind of make some system out of those players and then get Mourinho rid of them. Mourinho part three. It's going to happen. I think, you I never think, know. You never know. I think, I think it genuinely depends on the management that, that Chelsea decide to go for. And I think that's the big, the big part because... It's not the issue that you have too many stars because you take a Real Madrid, for example. They have every single player in that team is a star by Munich, but they've also got the manager to handle those stars. The big Chelsea don't have the manager to handle the stars. And even amongst themselves, you've got massive egos between those, those, those teams. I always say this is, although everyone says, oh yeah, Aubameyang played at Barcelona, there's a reason why Barcelona let him go and they did. They wanted to cut their losses as quickly as possible. They got a good deal. They were like, yep, good, let's get rid of him. It, mm. They, they wouldn't have done that for... For example, I keep hearing a room that Arsenal after Fernand Torres and Barcelona are holding out for it because it's like, they're not really sure if they want to let him go. But Aubameyang seemed like an easy deal for Chelsea. Yeah. Arsenal are linked with Moussa Diaby and Leandro Trossard and I think they'd be much better wingers to get than Ferran Torres, in my opinion. I think Diaby's a quality player and I would love yeah, to see I wouldn't him get Trossard. I wouldn't get Trossard. Trossard really? would be a, it'd be a good squad player for you. Just a squad player? Just a squad player, Sean? 12 no, mil. I, I, no, the, the reason why I wouldn't get him is his behaviour. His uh, The way he's dealt with Brighton, that's yeah. the reason why I, I think he's a fantastic player. But I just feel like, for example, I, you, ha, you have to stay loyal to your team. He's a yeah. Brighton player right now. I know he wants to leave, but he should still be putting in the effort for Brighton. Then that shows me that, you know, he's a proper top professional. He knows what he wants. Arsenal go and get him. But mm. if it was a case that he had done that fine, but because he's kind of like throwing his prams out, what happens? Because I know Arsenal not the biggest club in the world. I'll be honest. They're still Real Madrid, Barcelona, even Man United and Chelsea. If one of those teams come knocking, is he just going to throw his prams out of our trophy and be of our pram and be like, no, don't want to play for Arsenal more. I want to go to Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Don't want that happening to us. So I'd rather just be like, do you know what? Great player, but let's just cut our losses. Let's go get somebody that is willing to buy their time. But then, George, just on that one then, because again, I've, I've got a brother-in-law that follows me every day. We always talk about Arsenal. We always talk about Tottenham, right? So there's always a direct rubbish shit there. Diaby, 100 mil. We know, we know Arsenal are not going to spend that money after what happened with Pepe. So they're not going to risk it, which is good. Mm. You look at Trossard, kind of fits the profile, but then he's going to be, what, 28, 29? So he's he's not really fitting this the kind of project of what you guys are after. And it's a good point you say there. Arteta's not going to want He's only like 25, player. trust that is. I think he's a bit older, you know, Ham. So he's yeah. like 27, 28, you know. Yeah. I think, I think that's. I'll check it whilst you can't talk. Sean makes a good point there. You've got a manager there that's not going to want problematic players, and it's good because it's it's working. So you wouldn't you wouldn't break something yeah. that's obviously not broken. So again, but I think that's where the problem now lies. And I say this to my brother as well. It's like, look, who the hell do you even sign now? Because you've run out of the option of having the main guy, because obviously Chelsea now trumped it. Fair enough, that happens. Yeah. But now yeah, it's 28, my bad. 
Yeah, it was like, where's your second target? Where's your third target? Even if it's someone that's in Brazil, like Mark, you've got Marquinhos, yeah. right? Looking for someone in a different country, just sign him, keep him on the bench. And I think Ferran Torres, I'd keep away from him, honestly. That mm. guy can't finish his breakfast. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I'm not a big fan of Ferran Torres. Um, when I heard Arsenal going for him, again, I always look at the ease in which a club let go of a player. Yeah, that, to me, lets me know that that player is not good enough. And Fernand <laughs> Torres, they signed him for a lot and got rid of him as soon as they could. And it was like mm, where they kept like Jesus. They've kept um, so many players. Alvaro, um, what's his name? The one, the one, um, the Argentina guy, Alvarez. Alvarez. Alvarez yeah. Even trying to get rid of Aguero, they never sold Aguero. There's certain players that even when teams came, it was like, no, you're not getting him. Mm. Fernand Torres got they got rid of him easily. So what's the problem there? The one player though, I would sign on a six month deal. To just help yeah. us get over the line is Memphis Depay. He's, he's actually going to Atletico Madrid. Oh, he's actually going to Atletico yeah, tonight. The news, the news got broke tonight as well, which is crazy for three million pounds. Which is for sure, that's a good point. Again, like what you just said there, Depay was so easily linked with all these teams, but nobody wanted to touch him. And now he's gone to Atletico Madrid for three mil. So there's yeah. another clear sign there where I don't think he would have been an Arteta player, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, he I may have just been all about him as opposed to all about the, the team. And we saw yeah. that at Man United as well. He was way too young to be the main man. And he still thought he was the main man because he got the number seven shirt. And it just didn't work for him. No, I, the reason why I would take him back on a six-month deal, it's very short term. Yeah, He's got something to prove because yeah. this is him coming back to the Premier League to say Man United was not who I was. Mm. And I think in a system like Arteta's, he could do well. He could do well where he knows that, okay, cool. I've got some young players that I need to show myself against. And he might actually take up the challenge and be like, okay, cool, I'm going to show that I'm better than Saka. I'm going to show that I'm better than Ketia. And that can lead to him being a better player in general. But um, it's one of those ones that I would take him if he was available, if he was coming. But the fact he's gone to Atletico, I think at the moment, if I'm honest, I'm not pressed for players. I think yeah. if we have to go through the season with the players we've got, we're going through the season with the players that we've got. They've done well so far. Um, there's no need to. And that's why I think teams like Nottingham Forest messed up. But I think Arsenal have done so well with the players we've got keep them let them go on this run they're the ones that flopped it last season yeah let them have that hurt and go and go in the title because you might bring in an, a player that maybe maybe not a bad apple but maybe yeah. doesn't have the same energy or desire as the players that are there I think another player I'll take right now is Yuri Tillemans if I've seen I would I go for Yuri Tillemans about that one I like him he's a liability man he loses the ball too much but just going back on your point there because last year you were in the same situation right where you were literally going for you were going for top four. I don't think it was kind of expected because it was two eight place finishes, right? So mm-hmm. it came to the screen like Vlahovic was a classic one. Remember in Jan where yeah. it was like Vlahovic, Vlahovic, and it's like, okay, Arte definitely needs to sign someone because you need players, yeah. right? And I think would you reckon them they'll do the same thing this year? I don't think he will. I reckon he'll end up bringing someone in because I just think he wants I to. Think, I think he he's now got to that point as a manager. He's been here three or four seasons. He's going to yeah. stick to his guns. If there's nobody out there, he's not going to force it. Um, I don't think he's going to waste that that money. Um, a player that I would have taken again because this was a loan was was um, Jao Felix, but not for that amount. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. There's a lot of players that I think we could have a look. I think maybe we could have a look at Vlahovic on loan. But then again, what I'm seeing from him at Juventus, he's not actually doing that much. Um, so again, it look, it, again, it looks like, oh, Arsenal dodged a bullet. And it's like, oh, are we dodging bullets? Are we very lucky or just, yeah. So it, we, I don't know where I would go at the moment, if I'm very honest. I don't know what players I would look at and be like, yeah, I want him or I want him. Mm. It's just one of those things where it's like, okay, if we bring somebody in, great. If we don't, because me as a fan, I can't even look at a single player and be like, yeah, we should really go and get him. Yeah. I can't really 
think anything of the board as well if they don't get anybody in. I'd be happy if they do. And I think we do need to get any, some a few players in. I think if we were able to get two players in, that would be really good. But one player would be fine. But yeah, I yeah. just think it's one of those things where it's like, if we do, we do. If we don't, then we just have to crack on with the rest of the season and just do what we can. Um, I think, although our bench is not strong, I think our bench can handle the Europa League pretty well. Yeah. Um, Fabio Vera is very good. Smith Rowe is back, like I said. When Gabriel Jesus comes back, that's going to be a very positive boost. Um, Rob Holding does a good job as backup. Very good job as a backup. Um, El Nenny's really good in that party role in the Europa League. Tommy Yasu so as well. Tommy Yasu is still there. Kieran Tierney is still there. Um, Matt Turner seems to be doing well in goal. Um, so, yeah, there's not really many positions where I can say, I know we need players, but yeah, I don't yeah. think... But we're... wait till the summer, basically. Yeah, wait yeah. till the summer and just, you know, buy somebody. We're not in a place where it's like an emergency. We need to find somebody next week kind of thing. It's like, okay, cool. If we don't, let's just buy our time till January. We've got the squad. Marquinhos is also good. So let him play in the Europa League, get his confidence up. So if there is an injury to Martinelli or Ga- or Saka, he can pop him. And don't fall into old traps. As Arsenal fans, yeah, yeah, don't fall into old traps at all. Yeah. Um, nicely done there, Sean. We've gone through Arsenal once again. And I can tell you haven't spoken about Arsenal for a long time on a podcast. I'm glad yeah. I got you uh, to do that as well. But just to finish off the podcast for everyone, um, just before I get to see work, uh, Woot Wakehorse make his debut for Man United. Yes, he is starting at the moment. I need to good get signing, your... Good signing. Good, good loan sign. I'm really happy with him. And again, no, wow. we don't have to waste money so far on a striker. Yeah. Um, I need to talk to you guys about the January transfer window because we have been talking about it already for this podcast as well. I think it is a really good time to get some signings in for a lot of teams, but just I personally think the value isn't there anymore. You're looking at a lot of these teams selling players at full prices for 100 million, 60 million, mm. 15 million on, on loan for six months. I don't think the, the value is there personally. And I just wanted to ask you both before we wrap up the podcast, just name a couple of your favorite. Um, January transfer signings of all time from the Premier League as well. I'll start with actually. Um, I've got three that I think would be pretty good. So first of all, we have to talk about the main one. Virgil van Dijk is the main January transfer signing we've ever probably seen in the Premier League. For 75 million they spent to Southampton. He was also a player that threw his toys out the pram from October of that season um, from Southampton to actually get his move to Liverpool. And I think from what we've seen, Sean, to kind of contradict what you said about um who's it, not Tillemans, about Trossard, is he hasn't put a foot wrong mentality-wise when he was at Liverpool. He just really wanted that big move um, to Liverpool. Been a fantastic player for them. Been a, He was a key factor in them winning their first league title as well. So my, uh, first one for me I have to shout out is, yeah, Virgil van Dijk. Uh, I think we'll go for, we should go for five or should we go for 10 before we wrap up? I think we'll go for t- uh, five. We'll go for five. Go on, go on Suki. I mean, I can see you thinking, best your best ever January transfer signings, what do you think? Who who makes the list? Uh, I, I won't be kind of kind of going from like my own team. Obviously, I would go with Ben and Kula, but I think that's too early to tell. And I think you could you could make a case, but I reckon for, for you, Boy United, I think the two that scream out are going to be, and you might have to correct me on the Berbatov one, if he was a summer signing or not. He was a summer uh, signing. But I'll, I'll definitely go with, you know, Patrice Evra. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go for Evra. January transfer window, young French left back. Didn't, didn't anticipate him to be that good. But then when you look at his record, f- fantastic. The way that he played, going up and down, Champions League games, he's always the first name on the team sheet. And that consistency that he had over the kind of 10-year 10, 10 period, you boys, you've you got to make a good case for him. And then another one is probably for you guys, because you had majority of the success back then, will probably be Vidic as well. Yeah, uh, same again, window. Longevity, years, solid as a rock. So you can't... Former club yeah, captain two, as well, Manny Vidic. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'd, I'd make two strong arguments to to kind of two United players. Um, I'm trying to think of some other players, but I've, I've, yeah, just proceeding me into my head. Yeah. It's all right. Let's ask Sean if Aubameyang makes it in that list. Yeah, got... he does. Of course he does. Oh, my days. Uh, um, I couldn't. Obviously, I don't want Arsenal well, fans. Well, and Mkhitaryan in that same window. That was crazy. Yeah, I can't let Arsenal fans think I hate Aubameyang. I don't hate Aubameyang. <laughs> I love Aubameyang. Uh, but that time when we signed him, oh my gosh, that season, I remember he just helped push us into good into a good space. Um, he was he made us smile that season because that was a season that I think Wenger also stepped down. Mm. So it was just nice to kind of have that good striker, like a proper striker come in for us. Um, so I really enjoyed him. And But one that I would actually say is Nemanja Matic to Chelsea. Ooh, I forgot about him being a January yeah, one. Because that was, that was when they re-signed him, wasn't Ooh, yeah. it? Yeah. From Benfica. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he was, a, he was a phenomenal, he was phenomenal for Chelsea, man. He did so much. And I think that's why United signed him. It made sense why United signed him. That was not a bad signing by you guys back then. But Nemanja Matic was definitely a good signing in the January transfer window. Definitely. Another Chelsea one I should spring to mind. Now you mentioned it. Branislav Ivanovic. Ivanovic what a signing yeah. he was once upon a time. Yeah, yeah. He was signed again. Yeah. He spent like six, seven years at Chelsea, won the Champions League, won multiple league titles. Ancelotti's main man at the time at right backs literally was unreplaceable, kind of like Ben White, centre back turned right back, um, just continuously stayed there and made it his own, which was great to see um, got, as well. Got another one for you, Ams, for Newcastle. Bruno Gimaraes, he was a January transfer window as well. Oh, yeah. my days. Yeah. Yeah. Was, Joe Will- was Joe Willock yeah. one as well? No, he was summer. I think he was summer. Summer was in the year. We, we, we went on low. Yeah, we used Joe Willock money to sign Odegaard. Mm. Joe Willock's having a good <laughs> season. I do like Joe Willock. But yeah, Guimaraes is crazy because I remember saying in my cousin's group chat, he's going to be sick. And then one of my other cousins who's just random, he was like, yeah, he's going to be sick. And everyone's like, nah, you're just, make, you're just chatting. Top four. Top four, Bruno Guimaraes in the Brazil squad as well. Fantastic player. Um, I've got I've got probably two more, I, I would say. Uh, just to, Yeah. One is the obvious one from a Man United point of view, Bruno Fernandes, literally going yeah. from Jesse oh, yeah. Lingard and Andres Pereira as our number 10s. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's next piece in his puzzle, which he got in January, where fans actually went to the CEO's house, Edward Wood's house outside and had effigies and, fat and banners and stuff. They were like, sign Fernandes, sign Fernandes, sign Fernandes, because we just lost to Burnley at home. Uh, what, uh, Wakehorse wasn't in that spot at the time. But we lost to um, Burnley at home 2-0. And we signed Bruno Fernandes. Um, and this was a pandemic season as well. So literally, it was just the fact we got him. We saw a bit of him. Then we had to wait a couple of months until he was back in the squad. And fantastic player. And one player who I don't want to mention. So I'm going to let you guys guess. Uruguayan striker, number nine, Liverpool. Signed, signed in the same window as Andy Carroll to Liverpool as well. But he had a much better time at Liverpool um, than yeah, Andy Carroll did. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like saying his name because I don't like him at all. But... He was incredible in the Premier League, and I hate to admit it, but he was. <laughs> uh, good old Lewis I've got another good signing for you guys. Go, Go on. One more good signing, and this is not actually a player, but it's a it's a manager. I think two shot to Chelsea. That was, was that a shot. That was yeah, that was the January one, end of January twenty twenty one. Yeah, Champions League season. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's almost like yeah, Di Matteo, but I don't know when Di Matteo replaced Vias Boas. So it may have been February or November. Yeah, it was like yeah, Feb. Yeah, it's oh, yeah, it was a January signing for Chelsea. Although not a player, but it was a really good signing to make because at the end of it, they got the Champions League, which is, we all would say we do with one of those. And not, well, you do with any trophy at the moment, so keep up for us. And we then, all oh, want yeah. a trophy. We <laughs> all want a trophy. Great. We're literally like Spurs at the moment. We haven't won a trophy since 2007. Hey, listen, listen, we've got like a peanut allergy to trophies, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah. That's oh, a no. 
Um, yeah. doing that but realistically <laughs> speaking though there is value in the January transfer market and I think a lot of teams nowadays the smaller teams know how to play the game a lot better as well when you're looking at some of these transfers and they're just raking up the prices raking up the profit margins as well Shakhtar to Nets literally saying oh we'll donate 20 million to the Ukrainian soldiers as well it's just like crazy absolutely I'm crazy as well I've got a good one for you boys uh, I don't know if you remember it I think it was 04 or 05 Henrik Larsson from Celtic on loan 06 mm-hmm. 07 yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good loan signing in, which was good. I really enjoyed watching Henrik Larson at Man United. What a player he was. And Sean knows how much I love Henrik Larson, despite how much Sean doesn't particularly like Henrik Larson. Um, <laughs> Henrik Larson. <laughs> what about uh, Saha? Was a January transfer window signing, wasn't he, for you boys? Who? Uh, Louis Saha. Louis Saha was one, yeah, for Man United, yeah. which was mm-hmm. great. Um, at that time he was like the the guy like in the, he was the guy in the, the Premier League when people were like oh yeah he needed to be he needed to be signed as well um, which is crazy as well but no literally I'm I'm really happy with what um, Man United have done recently in the January transfer market it's just if we get one play we get one play if we don't we don't but Woot uh, Horse is a really good loan signer as well looking forward to seeing him play um, which would be good fun as well right just to wrap up the podcast after going through Man United. Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool, January transfer. We've gone through so much today and I appreciate you guys so much. It's been a fantastic conversation. Um, who's your top four? What's your top four prediction for the end of the season? Sean, you go first. Because again, we can, link, we can link this back from January to May. Arsenal, mm. Man United, Man City, Newcastle. Ooh. I think these four are going to run away with for the rest of the season. Suki, what about you? Yep, exact same, exact same top four. Pretty much the same. Mine's going to be Arsenal, Man City, Man United, Newcastle. I think we're going to finish third. I think Newcastle will finish fourth because they don't have European football to worry about as well. And that's always a big factor. People forget about it. It's always a big factor. Even if you get knocked out in the playoff rounds, round of 16s, wherever it is in the Europa League, you still have to play those games and your, your players still feel that fatigue as well. Mm. Um, which is crazy to see, but I'm just glad no one said Liverpool making a, a comeback to the top four because we don't need them in the top four. We don't we don't uh, want to see Mohamed Salah <laughs> in the Champions League anymore, um, which is good fun. But no, Sean, thanks very much for your time. I'm looking forward to seeing more from Away Games podcast um, over the coming weeks as well, which would be good fun. Suki, great to see you again, my friend. Lovely to hear from you as well. Hopefully, we'll be speaking again soon after Man United beat Arsenal on the weekend. But I don't want to look silly and, and say that's going to be the case. But that's why I said 3-1 Arsenal. It's going to be 3-1 Arsenal. Uh, clip it, Sean. Clip it. He said it. <laughs> I've clipped it. I've clipped it. It's all good. Um, but everyone, thank you very much for your time. Do follow Sean on the Way Games podcast. Do follow us on our social medias as well. Take care. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Peace.